When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SCNZ. Afternoon, welcome into the Bunnings Rugby Run here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you, and so is Justin Marshall. Uh, we'll go to Marshy shortly and bring him into the show. Of course, uh, this rugby run, uh, we are talking the very first of the Super Rugby rounds uh, because we do have uh, Super Rugby underway and uh, that has got to be a good feeling, right? Got to be loving that. But we've got our Bunnings Rugby, uh, we've got our it's our Super Rugby Pacifica underway and this is your Bunnings Rugby run and I think we've got Marshy with us now. You there, Marshy? Yes, I am, Ricardo. Hopefully you can hear me. Give me the nod. I can hear you, brother. I can hear you. So that is a, that is good news. That is good news. And, man, uh, what a way to start this uh, year's Super Rugby competition. That game on Friday night uh, probably wasn't as close as we thought it was going to be. Um, you might say, to use an old Fitzy-ism, uh, it was a game of two halves, mate. Yeah, it certainly was, Ricardo. Um, and, and good afternoon to everybody joining us for... The rugby run. Yeah, look, I think when you had a game of that quality, intensity, physicality uh, and the calibre of player that was out there, um, I'm pretty certain that everything else was going to sort of fail in comparison, unfortunately, just simply because it was such a great game. Um, We still got some quality uh, rugby out of the rest of the weekend, but uh, Friday night, what what a benchmark that was. Uh, in, t- in terms of uh, what, what style of rugby we're going to continually see with the adaptation of these new laws and speeding the game up, um, the ball in play a lot more. It couldn't have been uh, more typified by that first up game between the Crusaders and the Chiefs. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it was always going to be a tight contest. Um, I-, I sort of thought that the Crusaders uh, probably being home ground advantage, uh, plus with a little bit of weather around um, and that forward pack of theirs uh, would probably win that game narrowly. Uh, they lost Whitelock, which hurt them, uh, I think, uh, because I thought Brody Retallick for the Chiefs was 
absolutely immense. Um, but I certainly, as you mentioned, didn't expect uh, the blowout that it was. Uh, and that just goes to show uh, how good a side this Chiefs side is. Uh, and they, they thoroughly deserve, no one could argue, uh, the, the fact that they were the best side on the night by quite a margin. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, mate. I mean, I was talking to Beav uh, during the week, and, you know, obviously uh, we know where his allegiances lie. And, um, you know, I, I said, look, if I'm if I'm building a bet this weekend, I'm taking the Chiefs with the point start, right? So the Chiefs plus seven and a half, because I thought uh, it was going to be a tight game. And what we know about the history of these two teams is they are tight games, generally edged by the home team. And so that's kind of where I went. But uh, the, the second half... Things certainly changed. What do you think it was uh, that Clyde McMillan said at, at halftime that got the Chiefs to uh, on top in that game? Well, I certainly feel that uh, in the second half, the Chiefs just showed a lot more intent than what the Crusaders did. Uh, they obviously spoke about their kicking strategy and wanted to play in better areas than they did in the first half, which they did. Um, but I certainly feel that they frustrated the Crusaders with playing a bit of territory at times to aimlessly kicking back at them. And I thought on the night, the the kicking strategy of the Crusaders was way off the mark. Uh, They they continually uh, kicked the ball back without any pressure on the receivers. uh, And subsequently, they didn't win that that territory battle. And once the Chiefs um, got their hands on the ball in the right zones, they've just got great uh, attacking weapons right across the park. You know, I thought that the likes of Nankerville, Stevenson were incredibly dangerous all evening. Um, the architect, Damien McKenzie, um, you know, Brad Weber threatened many times. And then Cortez Latimer, when he came on, was outstanding. Um, they certainly got a lot more change out of their bench. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, I, I think that's probably one of the best performances I've seen Josh Iwani, uh produce coming off the bench, um, which pushed D-Mac out a bit. So... Yeah, basically in a nutshell, when you when you probably when the Crusaders break it down, they'll go, Well, we didn't really get into our rhythm in the second half because we just didn't get into the right areas uh through our kicking strategy and uh we, we were we were then forced to defend. Uh and and they are a good defensive side, the Crusaders. Mm. So it takes a very good attacking side to break them down. But for the Chiefs to go uh over the try line of the Crusaders uh, at Orange Series Stadium four times uh, goes to show that they have some firepower. Now I know it's one; it's only one game, right? It's only one game, so you can't take yep. too much from this. I did see some cheeky scamp on Twitter suggesting that maybe uh, the wrong former Bay of Plenty number eight was being linked to the uh, All Blacks job, uh, Marshy. But uh, I might, might be, <laughs> you might be going a bit early. Hey, um, but I do. I, I did want to ask you about uh, the battle between Damian McKenzie and Richie Mawanga. Because, as you rightly said, Damien McKenzie played very, very well. I've been of the opinion that he's a better 15 than a 10 because he sometimes runs himself into little cul-de-sacs um, and can be a little bit headless chook. But, man, uh, he looked really good. Yeah, he did. I think probably the best I've seen him play in, in that jersey in a big match. Uh, you know, obviously he can open games up regardless when he's in that jersey. But when, when it comes to big crunch matches against very good opposition and, like I said, good defensive sides... That's when your true metal was tested, and uh, I wondered, particularly with the ball being slightly greasy uh, and his inclination to go a bit lateral at times, uh, whether or not that would that would be uh, something that he would struggle with on the night. But uh, I certainly felt that he has got his head a lot better around what's required out of that jersey, 
you know, the, the, his kicking strategy was really good. When he needed to sit back a bit and, and find space, he did. Uh, when he needed to kick long, he kicked long well. When he needed it to be competitive in the air, um, he, he did that as well. And I think what we really did start to see was probably Clayton McMillan, um, by his own admission, uh, he said he played really well in the trial game, so he deserved that 10 jersey. Uh, start to mould his attack around the way Damien McKenzie plays. And, and we saw that with the way that he was transitioning behind um, gain line runners uh, because he is good lateral and he was getting outside the fourth or fifth defender of the Crusaders quite comfortably and opening up the field. That's what he's so very good at. And so the Chiefs' pattern very much uh, revolved around that. And the classic example of the way that they did that was their block play when Sam Kane scored in the game, if people can remember it. They had two front runners in the traditional position. They had two transition runners out the back. McKenzie was that third guy holding defenders. And, of course, Brad Weber just poked his nose out. And instead of hitting those runners in behind, he hit the flat runner, which was Sam Kane, and he, and he, he bowled over. Now, that the, the reason I mention that is because that just creates all sorts of indecision in defenders. And that's where Damien McKenzie is so very, very good. So it's also not only the fact that he's grown into that Jersey, it's very clever coaching from Clayton McMillan. Recognise, okay, we've we've got a guy that we need to, uh, we want to have in that jersey. What are his strengths? Let's adapt our game plan around that uh, and our pattern to make sure that we we utilise those strengths. And they certainly did that all evening, right from the opening kickoff. Ricardo Crusaders kicked off deep inside the twenty-two. They went one phase and then they went out the back with Tokiaho hitting McKenzie on an outside arc. And they opened up the whole field. And you can either then run or kick. And they kicked in that instance, but kicked to land. So, yeah, there's got to be kudos given to that coaching group, uh, the Chiefs as well. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. And the Chiefs are getting the win 31-10. to 10. Now, I've just heard, uh, Marshy, from your old mate Jason Ryan, who said uh, he can chat to us. So we'll take a break now here on uh, the Bunnings Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. When we come back, the All Black Scrum Coach will join us. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall with you and joined now uh, by the All Black Fords coach, Jason Ryan, former Crusaders Fords coach as well, mate. Uh, We were just talking about the game on Friday night, Jace. uh, Welcome to the show and boy, uh, how was that, mate, uh, for for you? Can can you watch those games as a fan now or are you still too invested? (laughs) No, you've got to be... uh... It was a bit weird, I must admit, um, queuing up in traffic on the way in and the way out. We're usually um, at the old stadium beforehand and, and um, you know, in a different view, obviously, from uh, watching in the stand, we're all there. The whole coaching group actually was all, was all at the game. So, yeah, it was um, yeah, a little bit different, but uh, pretty impressive with um, the Chiefs. They, uh, they play very well, didn't they? And a lot of the super teams, uh, even the Blues last night, they really stamped their mark pretty early on the comp. Hey, Jase, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, I was stuck in that same traffic, so you're, you're alongside all of us normal civilians nowadays. Um, what, <laughs> what what did you make of the Crusaders' performance? Obviously, the Chiefs were very good, but if you still had your coaching hat on for the Crusaders, where, where do you think it went wrong for them on the night? Um, yeah, look, I think that <clears throat> the kicking... Potentially, I'm, I'm not sure what, what their sort of plan was there, but no doubt they'll mm. they'll address that. But 
Oh, look, I can only sort of speak on previous years, but I know that the, the physical contests against the Chiefs, if you don't win those, uh, was in any game really. But you know, I think back to that last year's semi-final was our toughest game of the season by an absolute country mile in probably two years. So they're coming and they're, um, they're a big physical pack and I thought they, they carried well. And um, it's a great start. Clayton's uh, doing a good job with them, obviously. So, But yeah, you, you sort of look at, this time of year, you look at the teams, but then you, you you've got to, and what's happening only early in the comp. But I think some players, and particularly I guess all the All Blacks, have all sort of come out of the blocks pretty strongly, really, which is encouraging. What did you make of the the new, I guess, mindset from particularly the referees to to keep the ball and play more to speed the game up? Obviously, the thirty second scrum resets, the lineouts were so much quicker, but it did create fatigue in the game, which opened up the last quarter more than usual. Do you think uh, this is something yeah. that the players will take a while to adapt to? And equally, do you, do you like what they're trying to do? Oh, yeah, I think I think 100% like what they're trying to do. I, I think it's outstanding. I think that, um, you know, the speed of the game, you know, it's, it's a spectacle, isn't it? It's what we want the fans to be involved in um, and, and really love it from, from that aspect. I think what they're trying to do um, around the scrum stuff, around just speeding up the the process to get set is, is really good. And I think Crono's got to, Mike Cron's got to take a big rap for that. Like he's doing a lot of work for World Rugby. So how mm. he's done that, and with the coaches and the, and even the Six Nations, you're watching it. But they're just a bit more settled. But it's really important that it's not rushed. If that makes sense, because as soon as you start rushing things, you know what it's like. You, you make mistakes, and when safety uh, and the boys are engaging, as long as that crouch bind set process is consistent you can get them moving before that happens but um, it's important that we you know, have that really controlled still I want to ask you as well, uh, they have been very vigilant and diligent in the first round because this is an area of street, I know you take pride in this particularly, uh, this particular area which I've had a crack at in the past but anyway, um, which is the rolling <laughs> You're not ball. the only one either <laughs> you No know, I'm not, um, I'm not alone there but because those block, those those uh, no, the two lifters now are not able to get in front of the the jumper. We didn't see um, lots and lots of rolling malls. In fact, I'm scratching my head to see if we actually did it, even see a try from a rolling mall out of all the games at the weekend. Do you think that that's the reason why it's becoming better to defend and and harder to to get the ball across the line? Yeah, well, look, I think um, it's it's a mix of both. But there's only I think there's only three scrums in that um, Chiefs Crusaders game. So yeah, we've got to watch where the game's trending and, and what's actually happening at the moment. Back, back to your mauling question around the um, block and access. Um, that's always been there, but it just hasn't been policed um, as much. And I think um, teams are getting pretty good defensively. So you know we're seeing a lot of quick taps come in now as well. That's really a big trend in the games. Look, just just on the mall. Look, I'm a great believer that it's a big part of the game, but I think I think we could make some adjustments to it. Like I believe if you start in that line out, you should stay in that line out. You can't pile numbers, and I think when that happens, and next minute you got mm. 14 guys mauling, that's when it looks messy. But you know, if you go in the line out, it's a it's a six six plus line out. We'll get on with it and just have those guys in there. I think that that would be a way forward. I think, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it all goes in the next wee while. Jason, uh, we, we floated an idea last season, actually, when there were rolling malls galore, you know, tries off rolling malls galore, and suggested that maybe, you know, getting to reset, you know, once it stops once, 
um, then maybe the ball has to be used then rather than giving them a second crack. Do you think that would help? Yeah, I think so. I think there's ways um, ways you can um, to look at that sort of thing. You know, like we, you know, in All Blacks, we don't like going to ground. We like to always stay up. You know, we treat that as a reset scrum almost when we go down because we want to keep moving. So, look, there's things you can tweak, but um, I think the powers of B will be having those discussions of, of what that looks like and the fact that the, this blocking access is front of mind is um, a good thing. Were you pleased with what you saw out of the area that you keep a pretty stringent eye on? Um, the front row from the weekend, you're all, you're all Blacks coming back, obviously emerging talent that you're looking at, and noticeably, Ofotonga uh, Fasi switching to, to the loose head, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. Is that all uh, encouraging from your point of view? Yeah, it is. Um, I think so. I think he, he sort of covered that for us last year in Northern Tour, um, played play the loose head for us, so it's just good to have that um, someone who can swing still, even though you have you know three, um, two on the two props on the starting team and two on the bench. You know we've got nine in our squad all up. You can never have enough. So still having that one with a bit of versatility um, is important. But uh, Jason, I don't know if you caught the the, the Reds Canes game, but uh, you know, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, we're talking about speeding the game up. Boy, I, I think one of the things they could do to speed the game up is teach that Reds prop uh, Zane Nangao how to do up his shoelaces. I mean, he, he he took a knee after about ten minutes and decided he needed new boots. We had about five minutes of waiting for him to do up his shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that you can sort of get get moving on to. I, I feel, but that game was pretty quick. I'll tell you what, it was another quick game. Was the Brumbies uh, Brumbies Waratahs? Wow, that that was really fast. Um, and the drawer, how good was that game? Like, oh, I was just 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 as a fan, just watching that, and you know, like those two teams, special spectacle. You know, like the the skill set those Fiji, and I, I was really pleased for those boys. It was a it was a great one. Jace, just finally, and we really appreciate you joining us on a Sunday and at late notice, mate. Um, just wanted to ask you about uh, your your role now. You said that you were all at the game in Christchurch. Uh, I didn't see you at the casino bar, which I usually do in Dunedin, so you might not have made the trek down there. But um, yeah, what's the, what's the process for you? Do you go? Do you all try? Do you always try to get a a coach or a selector at? every game or do you sort of just pick, pick particular uh, games where you want to look at certain players? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a both, bit of both uh, Marshy, to be fair. Watching a lot of rugby, that's important as a selector. But I think my job sort of for this year started, we did we got all the Fords coaches for all the super rugby teams up to Wellington and we had, a, had took, them out for, took them out for dinner and did a presentation of everything we learnt on Northern Tour as Fords coaches and, and, and you know, cause there's five new Fords coaches in the franchises this year. So it was important we just did a bit of sharing and some knowledge for them and, and have conversations because we've got to build relationships with them and I've got to get around the franchises and, and, and see the boys train. I'm really big on watching them train and to see how they're going through their processes and that transfers onto the games. As far as the selectors go, Marshy, we've blocked out the whole year of, of the games um, that we're going to go to and we'll be at most of them. Um, especially when the New Zealand teams are playing. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of travel on the weekends to get up to the games as, as selectors. Um, I couldn't go to the one last night, but Joe was down there. So we sort of mix it up, but uh, more often we're at the games. We've got to be watching it live and get a feel for, you know, momentum shifts. You know, it's like when you watch a live game, you can see things um, a bit more broader than you can mm. on the telly.
Good stuff, Jase. Hey, listen, mate, thanks very much for coming on. We'll let you get back to it on, on, on your Sunday, Arvo. Mate, much appreciated, and uh, go well. Enjoy the rest of the season, eh? Cheers, yeah, guys. no worries, man. See you later. Cheers. Uh, 1.24 here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run with Ricardo Ball and Justin Marshall. Interesting, uh, him talking about the rolling mall there, Marshall. I don't think that's something that we've heard uh, anybody from a forwards coach point of view talk about too much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was very noticeable. Now, that that's, as Jace mentioned, it's always been um, a part of the, the law that those lifters cannot get in front of the jumper but not being policed and they are now making sure that they're keeping a very stringent eye on that. And, and what that means to, to people out there it's what, uh, who are wondering is uh, then it means that the attacking team can get direct access to that ball carrier once he comes down um, because there's nobody in front of him blocking and shielding him. So it means that the, the, the attacking team then have to shift that ball and get it to the back. Um, and, and that takes time and sometimes creates static more, which then means they can't re-get momentum. So, you know, in a nutshell, I think it's just made it much much more evident that you have to be super accurate as a team that's looking to do the rolling more, but equally it can be better to defend now that it's been policed that way. Because as I said, look, I, certainly in the two games that I commentated on, uh, there was there was there was rolling malls, but none of them resulted in a try from the rolling mall. Yes, when the the hooker or someone peeled off, there was a phase or another phase in a try, but. I don't recall at all um, out of those two New Zealand games, the Highlanders Blues and the Crusaders Chiefs, apart from Cody Taylor um, falling down to one knee and it being disallowed, it, it didn't happen. So, you know, they, they, I, I didn't see all of the Moana Pacifica game. You might be able to educate me, um, Ricardo, whether it happened to that, because that was a massive problem for Moana Pacifica last year, the amount of times that the teams um, scored tries off rolling malls. Yeah, no, they, uh, there were no uh, that I can remember. I don't, there was no definitely no try scored from a rolling mauler, and I think what there was in terms of malls was was uh, was was a lot less than what you would expect. In saying that, I don't think that's the strength of the Fijian Druid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you I what though, they, they scored yeah. their first two tries. Both came from tap penalties. Yes, yeah, which Jace so, touched on. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and teams. I think uh, it's quite interesting that you've got a bit of leniency now without the halfback harassing number eight and the opposition halfback at the back of the scrum to open up a bit more scrum attack. But still, in instances, five metres out from the line, teams opted for the quick tap than a scrum. So, yeah, quite quite interesting that it's um, sort of taken a, a spin in that direction. Yeah, it is indeed, mate. It is. Uh, now, uh, I'll tell you something that I know we'll talk to Daniel Manu about in the next hour, former Wallaby flanker, but um, as a halfback, the Brumbies-Waratahs game, there's a guy, Ryan Lonigan, who uh, mm. started ahead of Nick White. What a game he had. How influential was he on that game? How smart was he? I mean, the, the try to Andy Muirhead, out on the wing um, was hilarious because all the Waratahs, if you haven't seen the Waratahs, they're all standing around talking, waiting for the penalty, but he hadn't said yeah. he's going to go to the go to the sticks and the referee hadn't blown time off. So he waits for the Tars who are all just standing around in a bit of a huddle and then he taps and throws the wide pass to Muirhead, who I didn't think was expecting it either. He's standing there having a yarn to the TMO asking where's good for a beer later. Next thing catches the ball right out on the, on the, on the line and everybody's like, what's going on? And they, and they scored a try from it. Oh, they did, and it was it was genius because it's recognition of space and, and the opportunity, you know, when players switch off and are expecting either a kick at goal or a kick to the, the near touch line um, and are not concentrating on opportunities. 
but like you say, it's it's usually because you're in sync with that opportunity and somebody else is on the same page. Whereas Muirhead certainly wasn't on the same page when you, when they went to the wide shot. You could see he was chat, chatting to the AR um, and and didn't even recognise the fact that, uh, that 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 was going to be an option. So yeah, it was really really clever play. But yeah yeah, yeah that was a quality game as Jace Ryan mentioned. Uh, that that was. High tempo. I, I think we were sitting in the bar actually watching it after that Crusaders Chiefs game, and then that came out, and that was a belter of a game with intensity and tempo as well. And it was like far out. Uh, there are some rugby being played in these first two games of of, of Super Rugby Pacific, and uh, it's it's encouraging. Yeah, it's really encouraging. And, and I th- I think I mean like I said earlier, you know, one game doesn't make a season, but it was a great game from Ryan uh, Lonigan. I think he really stood out uh, for that Brumbies team, and the fact that he kept Nick White on the bench said something, but. If you're Eddie Jones, you're looking at it. You've got Tate McDermott, Jake Gordon, Nick White. Now you've got Ryan Lonigan starting to emerge as well. They've, they've got a lot of really good young 10s coming through, and now they've got some real depth at halfback too. Yeah, which, which they need. They need to, and they need to get a consistent combination um, because they do tend to fluctuate around, and, and it's either the 10 or it's the 9. You know, is it McDermott? Is it Nick White? Um, you know, is it Lola Seol? Is it Quade Cooper? Um, does Hodge step in? Uh, they've been all over the shop. They they try. They, you know, James O'Connor. Does he come back into it? But whatever uh, happens, I think I know Eddie. He's he's I've been team in teams that he's coached, and and I've played in teams that uh, he's coached as uh, played against teams he's coached as well. And the one thing I do know is he's a very heavy mindset around combinations and and getting getting good synergy. So I wouldn't expect once he makes his mind up of who is nine and ten, what his back row is going to look like, and what his centres and back three, he he won't deviate them uh, from them unless he has to. If 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 you were a um, a betting man and uh, you had to pick what nine and ten combo Eddie Jones would prefer out of what he's got available for the Wallabies, what are you thinking? I I'm, I think Tate McDermott looks like an Eddie Jones halfback, and, and not just because of the yap. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, and and I think, uh, knowing Eddie the, the way that I do, um, I feel that he he won't necessarily gravitate towards experience. He'll go towards what he feels he can get a, a good game plan out of, and and get a good and and strike up a good combo, and and I think, put it this way, uh, Lola Seal will not be comfortable under Eddie Jones. Um, and he will not feel that he is better than um, he should be because that's what Eddie Jones can do. He can tap in to players and get away a little bit of that complacency from them. He's got so much poten- potential, um, has Lola Seal, and I just think it's at the moment still a bit green and raw. Eddie won't allow that. Um, and so my mindset will be a Tate McDermott, Lola Seal, 9-10, mm. if I was... If I was if I was a betting man, and I am a betting man, Ricardo, but just not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, mate. You and me both. Uh, how much did it surprise you to see Debrasini start ahead of Lolosio, uh on the weekend? Yeah, it did surprise me. Uh, you know, and I think what they were looking for initially, the Brumbies, was a real direct um, mindset towards their game plan, and that was very evident. They they ran hard. Um, you know, they they had big ball runners coming um, flat off uh, Lonigan as well, and. I certainly feel that that's the, the style of player Debrasini is. He stepped up and he just hit those lines really, really hard. So I think that was kind of the way that they wanted to take on the Waratahs 
and and that selection was based around that. But again, it's another little jolt for Lola Seal just to get him out of his complacency mode that I feel that he's been stuck in for a bit. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. You can power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Parts. You can also get in touch with Justin Marshall. Double eight double three is the text machine. Double eight double three. You got any questions from Marshy on what you've seen from the weekend, our very first weekend of Super Rugby Pacifica? Hit us up now. Double eight double three. Daryl Gibson joins us before the top of the hour. It's coming up uh, 24 away from two here on your Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And uh, Marsh, we've had a text through here asking if uh, last night Mark Talia cemented his place in that all-black squad for the World Cup. What do you reckon? Well, certainly you, you couldn't put in a, a better performance uh, to catch the eye of, of the coaches and selectors. No doubt about the fact that he was quite clearly the best player on the park last night. Uh, his performance was out of this world. The, the fact that he could get rid of uh, defenders, um, find space uh, like no other uh, last night was was outstanding. He was very much defined on the end of year tour uh, and deserved his opportunities uh, that he got um, to, to become a test all black. And, you know, in an area where we've probably not had consistent selections again um, in the all-black team, you know, there's a real there's a real opportunity there for a winger just to put, put a, a benchmark performance like that last night from Talia in the ground, continue to have good form and grab a hold of that jersey. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of rugby to be played before that team gets selected, but you kind of like... The, all all the aspects that uh, Mark uh, Taylor brings to that jersey, you know, he, he is a very much traditional winger with great speed. Um, he's got power. He works hard. He gets he gets off his wing. Uh, and yeah, if he continues in in the vein that he was in last night, um, you would have to say that he is on his way to to stepping into that jersey for the first test of this year. What do you reckon was in uh, Billy Harmon's halftime power raid? Because uh, at the end of the game, he was asked about the game, and he said, I thought we defended really well, and I looked at the scoreboard and went, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a good, it's a good point. Um, you know, it was, it, was quite a, it was quite a weird one, wasn't it? I think he also referred to the fact that they probably wouldn't look at the, at the score scoreline too much, and I was thinking, well, hmm. getting smacked by 40 points on your own backyard, you probably should look at the embarrassment of that, um, you know, but that is worth uh, getting upset about. You know, I'm just waiting for the Highlanders that. bus to turn up at the final going, oh, yeah, but we didn't pay any attention to the scores, but we played well, so we're in the final. It's okay. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, you know, a bit bizarre, like, um, you know, when, when you when you suffer a defeat uh, like, like that, you, you do have to feel a little bit of frustration. You have to feel a little bit of, an, like, embarrassment um, mm. in front of your own fans. Uh, and you have to you have to take the hurt from it, like just trying to bin it and move on and say, oh well, we've got the first one out of the way, we'll get better from here. I don't know. I didn't really don't really think that's the right attitude. So they're they're always going to have a tough year. They they were one of the sides that everyone was um, questioning whether or not they've got they've got the debt to compete with some of the other sides. Mm. And uh, you know, having having key players out like Aaron Smith uh, suffering injuries to the likes of Maka Eli Tuu. Uh, early the, early in the season won't help that cause. So uh, I don't think that's a game that they, they bin and say, oh, we'll, we'll get better and things will be right. They really need to have a, a recheck and go, not bloody good enough at all, not good enough.
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. If you've got a question for Marshy, you can get it through double eight double three double eight double three. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. We're with you right through till 3 o'clock this afternoon. When we come back, Daryl Gibson's going to join us. Bomfa indeed. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power. Pass 15 away from two. And uh, joining us now on the show is uh, former All Black and uh, New South Wales Waratahs coach as well, Daryl Gibson. Uh, G'day, Daryl. How are you doing, mate? It's a story. I I tell you, I I don't remember seeing this before, so I don't know if you've had somebody editing your uh, Wikipedia page, mate, but uh, uh, on your Wikipedia page it says notable relatives. Justin Marshall, cousin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether he's that notable, is he? But uh, <laughs> I uh, quality, mate. Hey, listen, I've got to ask you, uh, last night we saw a great game, well, a, a great game for the Blues anyway, uh, at Forsyth Bar. They, they ran rampant, didn't they? It was almost like watching a highlights package for to- at times in that first half. Uh, what did you make of that Blues machine? And uh, also, what did you make of Roger Tuivasa-Shek? Because, of course, there's a lot being talked about whether or not he stays in rugby. He's got offers to go back to league, apparently, if he doesn't make the World Cup squad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, first and foremost, I thought the Blues were impressive, weren't they? Particularly mm. uh, from turnover position, um, you know, anything loose that the Highlanders threw up to them, they, they snaffled and made them pay. So um, they, they're going to be a real force in this competition, the Blues, and, and with that settled lineup that they have and the uh, firepower out wide, um, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. Gibbo, uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and not uh, taking your usual Sunday afternoon two-hour nap. Um, that's, that's very good of you. Uh, obviously, um, agree with you on the Blues. Uh, the quality of the game on Friday night between the Crusaders and the Chiefs, uh, what did you make of that game? And, um, and what did you make of uh, the Crusaders' performance in particular, getting beaten at home is not, not something that they're used to. No, that's right. I think um, you know Crusaders being beaten at home probably by that margin. You'd have to you know go go back a fair way to see that. But yeah, you know, obviously with the Crusaders' performance you know, right up until Blackadder's yellow card, um, it was a very even contest. And during that yellow card period, obviously you know, the Chiefs um, took control of the game, took their points, um, and, and put a lot of pressure on the Crusaders. So they're going to be. You know, when I look at the Chiefs and I look at, say, the Chiefs, the Blues and the Crusaders and you look at the quality of the 15s that they put out, they've got really settled lineups. Um, so that bodes well for those three teams in the comp. Um, and in particular, what I like about the Chiefs is um, their, their bench. And I reckon they've probably got a bit deeper in their squad than the other two. So it's going to be interesting how uh, the competition plays on and, and injuries and so forth plays out. But you know, those three teams plus. Um, I think the Hurricanes are going to be that team that's going to be there or thereabouts um, troubling the, the teams at the top as well. From what you saw uh, during the weekend of the Aussie teams, your old outfit, the Waratahs, played the Brumbies after that game. And I tell you, I didn't feel that there was a great uh, drop in intensity or tempo or even physicality. That was a, that was a cracking game as well. The Waratahs at home in the brand new, uh, in the brand new stadium didn't get the job done, but what did you what did you make of the Aussie teams during the weekend? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be more of the same from the Brumbies. You know, they're, they're probably the Australians' most consistent team. Very well coached. You know, they've got 
um, obviously with, with Steve Larkham and um, he's forgotten his name. You know, they're really settled. You know, they know how the Brumbies play. They're very consistent in the way they do things, and I think that's all starts up front. And what I saw there, you know, with the scrum and the issues that the Tars had, you know, it's always been been something that it's been an issue. You know, through history, making sure you can when you set Pete's ball and be competitive there. But as you say, it wasn't fantastic to see you know twenty six thousand um, New South Wales supporters turn out, and it looks like you know they've really turned the corner. And um, you know, with a number of those prom- promising um, juniors coming through and Jorgensen and so forth, you know, it's very exciting times for them. Yeah, the challenge for them will be to get those supporters back because they can be a bit fickle, as you, as you probably know yourself. <laughs> um, move, yeah, moving like on to, to yep. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we all do. Uh, moving on to, I guess, probably an area that you've been keeping an eye on uh, the game at Mount Smart Stadium between. Um, one of Pacifica and uh, the Fijian Drua, uh, different style of game, which you were expecting it to be, I guess, than the, than the, the more physical style from what we saw in the New Zealand derbies. But uh, yeah, there must have been a bit of a smile on your face the way that the Drua were able to stay in the fight and, and sort of snatch that game really because they were behind for most of it. Yeah, that's right. I think obviously um, you know Aaron Major will go away pretty un- well, happy that they lost that game. Probably in control for for most of it, right up to the you know, you know the last nine minutes when the draw scored. But you know, for me, I, I look at both teams, and you know, they both look like they're going to be better second year teams. They've come to adjust, you know, to being professional. They're better prepared. They're wiser what's ahead, and you can just see that they're really adjusted to um, the intensity and what's required in, in Super Rugby Pacific. So that, that bodes well. I think they're both going to cause. They're not going to be the easy beats of the competition. There's no, there's none of that. So they'll be um, both realistically pushing for, for playoff spots right from the start on that performance. And as you say, the the Drua um, stole one at the end. Um, and to be fair, you know, you think last year they lost a lot of those close games, and it was good good to see them close that out, um, get the victory. Um, what that'll do for their confidence um, will be incredible. And then you think when they get home to Fiji, they're going to be really difficult um, to beat on home soil. So really good. There's still plenty in, in them in terms of um, improvement and areas like that. And I'm sure the coaches will be going through that. But certainly to start the competition with a win um, will give the confidence a, a great deal, a great boost. And there were some really standout performances too. Uh, I thought Josefa Tamani was really good. The number, uh, you know, the blindside flanker, and uh, I think he's a formerly used to be a sevens player, Josefo uh, Masi, the the young centre. I think he was on debut yesterday, and he, he was absolute fire. Yeah, that's right. I haven't talked with um, Glenn Jackson and, and Brad, the the coaches. There's a number of young talent coming through that team. Um, Kitty Salawa at seven. You know, they, these guys will be pushing for. National honours with the, the flying Fijians, and you know, with, with the World Cup looming, it's just extra motivation for those players who are knocking on the fringes. So um, it just goes to show just how important having a Super Rugby team for the, the Super the Super Pacific teams or the Pacific teams, um, how important that pathway is. Is Jacko doing any coaching? <laughs> I'd say he'd be doing a fair bit of refereeing <laughs> on the sidelines too, Justin. Bloody hell, mate. Honestly, all I see is him out uh, swimming, surfing. Like he's, he's, he's enjoying his time as a coach in Fiji. Put it that way. You're not getting those plums. What's going on? 
that's right. He's obviously got the balance the balance just right. <laughs> Oh mate, well, yeah, well, to be honest, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a surprise that they haven't managed to nab Razor based off that. They should have just sent him Jacko's uh, Jacko's Instagram feed and be done with it. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure they were uh, selling him um, plenty of surfing spots and hotel resorts to to get him across the line. But uh, obviously, with the announcement that Simon Rallowy's taken over the the reins from Burn, um, I think it's an excellent decision. He's been close to the team. Um, he knows knows all the players. He's had a hand in the collection, so. Um, you know, I'm just hoping he keeps me involved. I'm sure he will, mate. Um, you know, what you guys did with Fiji uh, recently has been um, a real catalyst for them becoming an, another side to be reckoned with in, in world rugby. Um, and that doesn't happen uh, without without hard work and behind the scenes. So good luck with that. Um, just finally, I just wanted to ask you, because you obviously have to keep your... your eye over all of the, the changes and the law changes in the game. Man, I'll tell you what, the, the speed and tempo of the games because the ball is in play a lot more. Players getting fatigued in those last quarters. Uh, you happy with those laws that they've brought in and, and that they are good for the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're spot on. You know, anecdotally, just watching the, the games over the weekend, they, they felt faster, particularly at line-out time. I think teams have um, really cottoned on to transitioning quick from when the ball goes out. And getting that in. Probably one thing, you know, from the first half in the, the Crusaders game, I just thought there was a lot of injury stoppages. And I wonder whether coaches have got a little bit cynical and, and just needing a break every now and then to slow the tempo. But um, I think they're a good move. I like, you know, the number eight having a bit more free of a rain off the, off the scrum and getting that go forward. So overall, good, good. Um, Good law, law interpretations and good changes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Razor might want to have a word to Fletcher Newell about that because uh, I, I think you're supposed to share that round when you go down and, and, and uh, <laughs> as for an injury break. He went down twice in the first 15 minutes. I think that might have just been his lungs. Yeah, that may be the case. I hope so. You know, obviously, coaches all, always look for little loopholes in the law and ways that um, you can control things. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, all right, Daryl. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on, mate, and having a chat. Always good to catch up with you, and hopefully, we'll see you uh, in France, eh? Absolutely. It's the plan. It's the plan. Plan indeed. Good stuff. Daryl Gibson there with us, uh, former All Black midfielder, of course, former Waratahs coach as well. And yeah, that, I mean, that, that was uh, that was noticeable from the weekend, Justin, was the, how, the speed of the line out, but also, uh, and as we've mentioned as well, the speed off the back of the ruck. Yeah, absolutely. The, the referees are not tolerating uh, any, any of that, uh, what they perceive to be needless time wasting anymore. And I think that's good for the game. Uh, it was really evident that also, you know, how tedious box kicking from from nines had become. The fact that they were, you know, they'd get people in front of them and shield and manoeuvre people, and then they'd get their foot in there and rake it back. And now they, you could see them actually, the referee saying five seconds, you could see them getting in there quickly uh, and, and, um, and making sure that they got it away in time. So we didn't have that constant sort of painful process of setting up the box kick the whole world could tell there's a box kick coming so all of the innovation is very good yeah yeah indeed and I, I'll tell you the one thing I noticed particularly uh, in that Blues Highlanders game is um, how much the Blues halfback kicking uh, intended to go longer rather than higher um, so they, they ended up kicking for position more than to get possession back but we'll talk more about that in the next hour you can get in touch with us double eight double three or 0800 150 811 this is SENZ's 
Rugby run thanks to Bunnings Trade Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And uh, these are the results we've had from Super Rugby from the weekend. Friday night, the Crusaders 10, the Chiefs 31, the Waratahs 25, the Brumbies 31, Moana Pacifica 34, the Fijian Drua 36, Highlanders 20, Blues 60, Queensland Reds 13, Canes 47, and the Western Force 34, the Melbourne Rebels 27. And uh, Justin, I think it's fair to say it was it was a great opening round to the competition. Plenty of points scored, plenty of tries scored, and plenty of money raised for the Red Cross as well. Yeah, it certainly was. What uh, a great concept that was to uh, support um, the the relief uh, of uh, looking after those people that have been so devastated by Cyclone uh, Gabrielle um, up north, and in particular around that Gisborne Napier region. So, you know, excellent that Super Rugby. Uh, came up with the idea of a way to contribute and uh, the rugby certainly uh, helped that with plenty of tries scored and points on the, on the scoreboard. So absolutely brilliant in that regard. But yes, a very good opening round uh, to Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, you know, some derby games that were of the highest quality. Uh, equally, you know, we had uh, the Hurricanes um, over, uh, up in Townsville taking on the Reds. Uh, and uh, that's never an easy uh, task because it's not a, a, an easy environment to play in. So that's a very good win for them, um, being the first New Zealand team out of New Zealand uh, in, in Super Rugby. So, yeah, re- really encouraging. Um, and obviously we had the big, uh, basically, Pacifica showdown at uh, Mount Smart Stadium as well. So, yeah, I think they'll be really pleased with the way that first round unfolded. And it, it gets completely different next uh, round as well, doesn't it, with all teams uh, heading to Melbourne for Super Round. And does that mean that uh, you're on the donut, mate? Are you are you off to Melbourne as well? No, I'm not going over this time. I, I went over last year. Uh, so um, that, that'll be uh, really interesting, though, to, to see how the teams adjust from uh, basically where they were in, in, in terms of their home fixtures uh, and, and knowing that they have their own environment there to being outside of their comfort zone in a, in a different environment in front of different fans and, and continually to try and um, forge their pathway into the competition. You know, I, I look at, for example, the Crusaders uh, the, the, in the Highlanders game, which is on, I think, the Friday night there. Mm. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of those sides uh, will desperately be wanting to win um, and and uh, both of them are in a different environment than what they're used to. So, yeah, it doesn't um, doesn't get much easier. I think the, the, the game to really keep an eye on will be the, the Blues versus the Brumbies. Um, that should be a belter of a game. Yeah, that's, that's looking like game of the round, isn't it? I, I did, have to, mm. did want to ask you about that Hurricanes game because I looked at that leading into the weekend and I thought, got to go to Townsville. Extra humidity, extra heat, somewhere different as well. No Brett Cameron, uh, no Ruben Love, no TJ Pedernata. Been a lot of change there in the off-season. People like Blake Gibson have left. So a lot of leadership gone out of that team. And I was wondering how they would cope. In fact, I, I tipped the Reds off the back of that, thinking that this could be the the, the upset, if you like. Uh, and at half time, it was still in the balance. What was it, 13-16 at half time? But, uh, man, mm. Kane's second half, boom. Yeah, and, and I think some of their, their leaders really stood up because, like you say, they were missing some of that experience, but equally, you know, um, <clears throat> testing their depth for this particular game. And, and they made some bold decisions, you know, like uh, Duplessis Karifi being benched for, for Lakai. Uh, you know, Karifi's got plenty of experience now and he's also captain 
the, the, the Wellington Lions. So that, that was a bold decision, but one that paid paid off as well. I thought, um, you know, Dane Coles, Adi Savia, Geordie Barrett, they're, they're all blacks and experienced all blacks all stepped up big time. Uh, you know, the blend between the, the youth and enthusiasm, but also the, the grit. And, and you know, you, you look at Franks as well in the front row who, who started to hit a Lomax. Um, yeah, they, they, it seems like um, Alfie got it pretty pretty right on the night, which was which was good because they're not an easy outfit, the Reds. And mm. like you said, it's not not an easy environment to play in, but particularly they've, they've got some really good uh, talent in their side, the Reds. So it wasn't ever going to be an easy ask. So I'm not surprised it was in the balance at half time, but I certainly feel that they felt that they looked fitter, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the Reds were in the fight there, but when the when the uh, Hurricanes started to break out uh, and particularly out of their own half and start to play a bit in their own half, the Reds just didn't look like they could keep up with them. Um, the the lung capacity, the fitness work wasn't probably as good as as what the Hurricanes were, and that's where they pulled away, particularly in that last quarter of an hour. It was. I tell you, the, the funny, uh, the funny part of that was um, when part of, uh, Peter Larkai went off and Duplessis Karifi came on. He had only been on the field about two minutes, yeah. and he ends up getting carded for basically what it was a, accumulation of infringements, right? Like team infringements, and he's the one that gets the card. Uh, tell you what, if you're a lip reader, you might have been offended. Yeah, you would have been. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't very uh, happy with the fact that it had to be him. Um, no doubt about it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, he let his frustrations um, well and truly know, uh, go. But, uh, yeah, look, I think when you think about the um, the context of that game and, again, being pushed into a different environment, I wonder whether or not uh, the Reds uh, regret taking the game there or they had to take it there and Suncorp was unavailable because they they didn't seem to cope as well with the, with the hot, greasy conditions. Mm. I thought the Reds actually shelled the ball a lot more than the Hurricanes under conditions you'd think and feel that they'd be a lot better at adapting to and used to. And whereas they looked more fatigued, more tired, spilt uh, mandatory ball a lot more than what the Hurricanes did, who are really out of their comfort zone. Now, Wellington doesn't get that type of weather. We all know that. Yeah, well, exactly. Apparently, Brad Thorne said, we're the Queensland Reds, not the Brisbane Reds. So we have to go to Queensland. Um, and so they're taking two games there. The other game that they're taking there, Justin, I'd be keen to get your take on this because it surprised me, is they're taking the big derby game there with the Tars. Wow, yeah. Now, that's a, that's a huge um, revenue generator for, for the Reds. Um, and, yeah, that is a surprise that they would take such a, Big fixture uh, outside of their home patch of, of Suncourt Stadium. I'm really surprised by that. And, and equally, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it obviously doesn't clash when they're up there with uh, with the Cowboys um, mm. because Townsville very much, uh, that part of the world is rugby league, big time with the success of that side as well. So you, get, you could get it to be a little bit fickle if the Cowboys are playing on the same night because people probably stay home and watch their TV. So... They'll, they'll be really hopeful that taking it there, that they still get a full house so they get that revenue that they would have got at Suncorp. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. also had a text through uh, from Ken saying, hey, Ricardo, Justin, Mark Talia was awesome, but Dalton Papali, he was the best on the field. Just a machine. He must be the All Black 7 without a doubt. That's from Ken. Oh, yeah. Look, look, Papali, uh, with the captaincy armband as well, um, I think he leads that side very, very well, and I think it's probably pushed his game uh, to another level. Uh, no doubt about the fact that 
Uh, he had an outstanding game last night. I don't disagree with that comment. Um, I don't think he was as good as Mark Talia, but that's just my personal perspective uh, of, of what I saw in the game. Um, but he certainly was one of the best on the park. Uh, I, I think we also have to bear in mind that there are there is competition for place in, in that jersey, and uh, I certainly felt that uh, Sam Kane, with a good off-season um, behind him, uh, put in a really good quality performance himself uh, against the Crusaders, which is a tough pack to play against. He scored a try. Um, he was up to his normal menacing self over the ball, uh, and I thought he had an outstanding game. So, yeah, we're really blessed with some depth in that jersey now. Uh, there will be debate, uh, no doubt about it, about who's the best seven out of those two and, and whoever else comes into the mix. Um, and isn't it great to see, I thought Shannon Frizzell played really well. Uh, I thought equally Ethan Blackadder played well for the Crusaders. Um, and be very interesting too to see where Tom Robinson now slips into uh, that Blues side when he gets his opportunity. Yeah, well, that was the interesting. Back row. They named it Locke, didn't they, I believe? Yeah, but then, I mean, Cameron Suofoa played for Harbour as a six most of the season. Mm-hmm. They played him at Locke, which was interesting yeah. too, you know, and he was named, when the squads came out, he was named as a Lucy, so um, there's obviously a yeah. bit of fluidity there, and they're not going to be, Leon's not going to be held by by that. No. Uh, uh, Graham has called through on 0800 150 he'll be, he'll be hurting, because Graham's a big Crusaders man. Uh, Graham, do you want to pitch into that? Who's going to be the all-black number seven, Sam Kane or Dalton Papali? Oh, I'd go Dalton Papali at this stage, but it's early days, you know, so... Um... Yeah, no, it's a, and also injuries come into it. So, um, yeah, no, I thought properly he was brilliant last night, but I thought, yeah, I didn't see all of the Blues highlights this game. I was still smarting after Friday night. I was there, of course, Justin, as I heard you were. <laughs> um, yeah, yep, no, yep. that was a, that was quite a performance by the Chiefs in the second uh, second half, though, I must um, must admit, you know. Um, yeah, but as you say, I think it was you who said that Ethan Blackhead is carding, yeah, not that I'm, not, you know, that we should have been, we should have played better than that. But that was around that time when we uh, certainly just, you know, opted out of the game almost at one stage. But yeah, Ethan Blackadder is one of the players that really did play well on Friday night. But yeah, a lot of people are, well, you've been in Crusader teams and we've lost early games, and you know the that's never changed since the beginning of the competition. You know, especially after when we started winning it when '98 onwards. Um, yeah, um, people hope for that, but these guys will, you know, they will regroup because they have to regroup. The Highlanders, Highlanders will be tough because they'll be hurting after last night too, Justin. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Graham. Look, I, I certainly felt that probably the the main concern that Scott Robertson will have, and yes, you know, when you miss when you have somebody like Sam Whitelock um, unavailable, who likes to, to roll his sleeves up and get in a fight on a night like that. Um, not yep, literally, yep. but you know he 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 was a major loss. But and, and and to back my this is what I want to reinforce my point with is it wasn't um, the fact that the Crusaders just had an off night and made errors or uh, just had a, yep. a day where they they weren't quite there. They were forced into it, and and the, the Chiefs forced them into making poor decisions with their kicking game into having to make lots of tackles. So basically it was the Chiefs dictating the game. And that's very uh, unlike the Crusaders to be dictated to. Yes, they can have a bad night, but uh, Robertson, I would imagine, won't be happy about that. What did you think um, was wrong on the night? Did you think it was something different? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Because I've seen Chiefs teams do that, you know, pre the Razor era as coach. And even, 
a couple of times. You know, we haven't lost, we haven't, we haven't won every game against the Chiefs. I remember in Fiji, they, uh, that was a high scoring game. We were up by about 20 points and then they came back and won, but in 219. But, but, you know, they are a team of, they, they often had been able to get under the Crusaders' skin a bit or put them off their games, probably a better way of putting it, because it wasn't, mm. there wasn't a lot of niggle out there, even though it was very, very hard. Um, but, you know, a very tough game, as all these derbies are. But, yeah, I know you're right. And I think that the Crusaders will, you know, implementation of game plan and, and um, not being, you know, bullied's the wrong word, but not being pushed around, you know, not being, yeah. Yeah, as you say, dictated to, like the Chiefs said. And as you say, Sam Whitelock, because um, I didn't want to make that. But, yeah, I mean, they're always good players that come in, you know, but, but he is, as he will be next year when we... The All Blacks and the Crusaders won't have him. You, you, you do miss him because you got Brady Retallick, you know, and he was outstanding for the Chiefs. So, yeah, yeah, no, he 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 just he is a bit of a spiritual leader of that team in many respects. But yeah, yeah, no, no, but no, it was, yeah, it made it interesting. And the second half was a bit of a glum watch for me. But it's but they deserved to lose and the Chiefs deserved to win. So it was just a Mount it really all it was, yeah. Yeah, good stuff, Graham. Thanks very much for your call, bud. Uh, appreciate it. Um, and Justin, uh, but just uh, on the back of that, actually, I, I was thinking, you know, Graham talked about Ethan Blackadder, how well he went. What do you think Ethan Blackadder's best position is? And if he is fit come World Cup time, what does that all black loose trio look like? Yeah, valid. Uh, it's, it's really hard to put my finger on uh, whether or not. They are looking to go down the pathway of what the European sides are doing, who have been who are successful at the moment, which is the likes of Ireland and and France in particular, uh, by selecting bigger, stronger players rather than a traditional sort of smaller player uh, in the role of that seven jersey. If if they are going down that pathway, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Ethan Blackadder can play seven, and he can still get over the ball, but you then what you're producing is is a very big back row with a big six and a big eight and a big seven as well. Um, you know, I, I would like to see him get some game time at seven and I'd like to see him get some game time at seven for the Crusaders. Now that's a bit harsh on a guy like uh, Tom Christie because he just plays so consistently week in, week out. Uh, and, and, you know, again, I think he was near on top of the t- uh, tackle count, but yeah, in answer to your question, um, I do think that maybe his best jersey is seven, but then he's up against Papali'i and um, and obviously uh, Sam Kane. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they set their sights on, uh, put him in the, in the side. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking, you know, you're looking at Papali'i at seven and Blackadder at six and then Artie at eight. Yeah, you're number eight mm. smaller than the other two. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, probably a turn right. up. Yeah, wouldn't it be? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that's... The trend is, you know, look, geez, you even think about the Argentinian back row. Mm. They are monsters, and they they absolutely harass and out and physical players. And we we haven't made that shift yet. We haven't gone down that pathway as as a nation. No, we haven't haven't yet. We'll see. We'll see what happens, mate. We'll see how this uh, this season develops. It is seventeen past two here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. We'll be back shortly uh, talking more Super Rugby. We'll touch on the Six Nations as well. If you want to get in touch, you've got a question for Justin. Double eight double three is the text line. Double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. 
You're on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. And Justin, we had the Six Nations uh, get underway the third round overnight. Uh, the Irish put away Italy as we expected, probably not as comfortably as we expected, but 34-20. And Wales, I thought maybe in Cardiff they could um, get their first win of the season and put all their trouble behind them and get up over the palms, but they were pretty lacklustre and ended up losing 20 to 10. Um, geez, Gats has walked into an absolute shit shower there, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, there's no doubt about the fact that uh, they've got on field problems, and that's been culminated by the off field issues uh, with the players' contracts uh, being heavily disputed by the, by the players and, and the uh, players' association there. So you've got on and off field problems. Um, yeah, look, in terms of the game, uh, you know, the, the quality of the Six Nations so far has been sensational. It's been really good. And we've had genuine contests right across the, the, the park as well. And that continued overnight. You know, Italy were very, very competitive against an understrength. Now, when I say understrength, they've got good depth island. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Andy Farrell made quite a few changes and, and you know, the likes of uh, Gibson Park and um, Johnny Sexton and a few others were missing. So they, they weren't at their usual self with their usual combinations. Uh, but, you know, Italy just seemed to be from week to week getting better and better. And they were they were well in the contest. In fact, I, I think it took a long time for Ireland to pull away from them uh, of more than just a converted try. So it goes to show how tenacious they were. I wouldn't read too much into that Ireland performance They Probably were a little complacent, and, and again, I said a lot of changes. But you're going back to going back to the Welsh. Uh, it, it wasn't this wasn't a great game, and you know the quality of the games, as I said, has been and the standards been high. But uh, this was a bit of a, a lacklustre uh, old affair. Um, you know, uh, I think you know when you look at both of those sides, they're both struggling uh, to find their mojo, and and the game reflected that. It was a pretty average first half. Dominated really by defence, uh, both sides. Um, whenever somebody got into the 22, both sides managed to get players over the ball and turn the ball over at really crucial times. Uh, so, look, I think Wales will be very disappointed that they couldn't beat a, a, an England team that is struggling at home. Um, goes to show where they are as a nation at the moment. Um, and again, a very different looking England side that Steve Borthwick named as well. So. He is certainly trying players out and trying to find a pathway and some combinations out there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how how they progress. You know, we're three games in now, two to go. Uh, they've still got France and Ireland. Ireland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be that so, was going to be my next question. What are, you know, uh, you know, it was important that they got that win in Wales, really, where you consider what they've got to come. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And. You know, the pathway now gets a lot, lot harder. Uh, you know, they, they've lost that Calcutta Cup again to Scotland. Um, they, they managed to get a win against Italy. Um, but the, the Wales win was really important for them. Um, so the fact that it was a bit of a crappy game and uh, didn't didn't really open up much at all won't be bothering them when they're sitting in that changing seat shed with the, with the W next to them um, with what they've got to, coming up. Uh, so... Yeah, um, doesn't get any easier for them, nor does it for Wales. Uh, you know, not ideal in World Cup year to not be firing, um, but it doesn't say that come you know August or September, October that they, they can't be in the reckoning. But things will have to dramatically change, not only in the way that they're playing, uh, but also getting some consistency in the selections from both those nations. I tell you what, I'll be. Yeah, I tell you. 
Mm. The other, the other interesting one, Ricardo, is the um, the game that's coming up. Um, you know, the Scotland have been, you know, so very, very good, and you know they've shown a huge ambition to play. Um, you know, and the and the French, you know, they they uh, have pl- plenty to play for. So that's a, that's going to be. I think that's going to be probably the game of the round. Yeah, yeah, that uh, it really is. It really is. I mean, uh, uh, that game is. I mean, if Scots win that. Then they're on the they're on track for yeah. a Grand Slam, you know. So uh, and 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 so are Ireland. Um, so that's going to be an interesting uh, interesting when they meet. Um, I was yeah. going to say, mate, uh, you know, if you uh, which way if uh, if you had, if you had five bob and you're at the tab, uh, which way are you going on the on the Italy Wales game in Italy in two weeks? Yeah, well, if I'm, I'm using uh, your money, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go for Italy. Yeah, uh, look. Um, Look, there's no doubt that, that the Welsh will be smarting from Italy beating them at Millennium Stadium last year. Uh, that, that won't sit comfortably, so there'll be a bit of a, a bit of payback running through the veins, I'd imagine. But Italy are an even better side than they were last year. Mm. And every team that has gone there this, this year has really struggled uh, against them. So, like I said, unless they find their mojo really quickly, uh, I don't even think it's an upset. You just have to probably think that Italy go in as favourites, believe it or not. It'd be really interesting to see what the what the margin is and, yeah. and where um, people perceive that game to be, to be sitting. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if they lose that game, they finish the Six Nations, I think, at home to France. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, did be... you say that he walked into a bit of a shitstorm, Warren Gatlin? There's no, <laughs> no, no doubt that he has. <laughs> Mate, he could be looking at the big donut at the end of the Six Nations, which is not ideal in a World Cup year for sure. No, it's not. And, you know, that, that that's, again... Um, something that you then become under pressure for, you know, because end of the Six Nations, then they go into um, their, their club, a bit of club stuff to finish off the season, then a break. Uh, and then you, I think they've got one warm-up game, Wales, against England in August, and then they're into the World Cup. So if you don't get it right now, really quickly, yep. uh, there's, there's, no, there's no time to get it right. And that's that's going to be a real worry for Wales and for Warren Gatlin. It is uh, 2.28 here on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power Your Business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. When we come back, we're heading to the other side of the ditch and catching up with former Wallaby flanker Daniel Manu and get his take on Super Rugby Round 1. Yeah, we're 28 away from three. We cross uh, the ditch now to West Island and catch up uh, with Daniel Manu, former Wallaby flanker. G'day, mate. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how's the how's the buzz been around Oz um, for the start of this Super Rugby competition? Because it certainly delivered round one. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's been fantastic. And I think the um, Waratahs have done a great job of trying to re-engage their fans. Um, I was part of a, a special group that uh, gave some feedback to, to, to the, um, the Waratahs. And so things like... Uh, Trying to involve the community more. Uh, my suggestion was, you know, give tickets to junior clubs and that, and have, have the parents come and make a day of it. You know, so yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I'd have to say, um, you know, looking at the crowd at Allianz last night, I don't know, I didn't check the attendances at all the grounds this round, but they had over twenty five thousand at Allianz for the Waratahs Brumbies. We haven't seen that sort of crowd at a Tars game for some time. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, you know, I think they've done their homework and they're really trying to engage the uh, community. So I think the, the new managers are now doing, doing a great job. 
they did a great job. But here on the park, it, was, it looked pretty good as well. It certainly enticed people to come back. I know the I know the home team lost, but boy, there was there was plenty of action uh, made and, and and lots of tries scored. And I have to say, there's maybe a, a, a new star for the Tars to get excited about. And that young 18 year old winger on debut scores two, Max Jurgensen. Oh, mate, uh, I think he's, he's, there's a new batch of young uh, kids coming through that, uh, you know, uh, maybe not for this World Cup, for the next World Cup, they'll definitely be stars. You know, uh, the young uh, uh, Max Jorgensen, his father played with the Wallabies and for the Roosters as well. And I think uh, the Waratahs did really well to keep hold of him because the Roosters were after him and they wanted him along with uh, Soli. So, you know, uh, it, was, it was a good win for rugby. Hey, Daniel, uh, Marsha here. Thanks for joining us, mate, and really good to hear from you. Um, I just wanted to sort of tap on from that uh, game and ask you about, uh, I certainly know from my day, and possibly you might feel the same, the tempo of the game with the law changes and the ball and play so much. The, the players throughout the entire round looked like in the last quarter they were really gassed. Did, did you certainly feel that the laws have opened the game up more? Yeah, I, I think so. But I think, um, you know, the preseason. Uh, from from what I've seen and from memory, the New Zealand teams are always peaking at the end of the season. So, you know, they always start a bit rough, rough, rough and scratchy. But, you know, if this is their rough and scratchy, it's, it's pretty damn good. You know, so um, the start is always the, the hardest. And I think that, you know, uh, the better teams will, will start building into the competition. What do you think of the uh, Crusaders game? Yeah, we, we were super impressed. We thought that not only was it fast and full of high tempo and the ball was in play a lot, but equally it was very physical as well. And, uh, you know, both teams um, really sort of exhausted themselves. And, and obviously the Chiefs, we felt, just had a had a better bench. They had a better last quarter. Players that came on made more of an impact than the Crusaders. And that was quite weird given the depth they've got. What, what was made of that game from an Aussie perspective from the people that saw it over there, including yourself? Well, I mean... Uh... To be honest, I've been very impressed with the Chiefs. I mean, they they uh, touched up Auckland in the preseason, and then Auckland touched up Otago. You know, it's always hard to win down in Otago, but um, I think the Chiefs are, uh, uh, can be very dominant this year. If they can keep this form up, they'll be very good. Uh, yesterday, I spent some time with the um, judicial committee people, right? so I'm learning some of the things with them being invited as one of the ex-players. Um, and looking at the processes. So the process of what they're doing now is that, like any tackle that hit the head, you know, it's, it's pretty much a set formula for it. And I think that tackle by Blackadder, um, that should have been, a, from the format that they worked on yesterday, that should have been a red card. And you'll probably get penalised sometime after he goes to the, I think it goes to a panel. Um, but I think that they, they are forced now to try and make the game safer. Because I think the RFU is being sued by the ex-players, you know. So, and that's a good thing for 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 us generally, I suppose. You know, for the players. Yeah, it was an interesting one that actually because I I thought and I can't remember the name of the uh, which player which chief it was he tackled, but I I felt that the Chiefs player actually by the time Blackadder had committed to the tackle, 
it was probably going to be yeah. about chest height, but then the player slipped in the in, into it. So, yeah, it's interesting what what they uh, you know what what do they call it when they they have um, uh, mitigation mitigation. Yeah. yeah, so I thought that's probably where where he got away with that. Hey, on on another um, Lucy that has been doing good things for a couple of years over over your way, Daniel. He's originally from the Crusaders, Charlie Gamble. Uh, he played a lot of seven and a bit of six last season. We saw him pack down at eight against the Brumbies. What chance do you reckon he's wearing a Wallabies jumper later on this year? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the Wallabies will always take uh, what's on what's the, on offer. You know, so hopefully it goes well for him. You know, um, it's funny. Uh, I've just seen uh, what's his name uh, and the dollar come back. You know, when he was let go by the by the Waratahs, I I, I think uh, I was assistant coach Manly and we were there, and he was like a, a try scoring machine. You know, and the Warriors let him go, and then he ended up at the Crusaders. I mean, you, how do you go from one of the lower teams to the best team? <laughs> you've been let go, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And he's had a great career overseas, you know? So I think uh, there's definitely a lot of opportunities for him here, for Gamble, but then, you know, I hope, hope it all goes well for him. There's, there's, they haven't really settled on their back row combination except for Hooper, um, but I think that, you know, there's a lot more competition this year. It's good for Warriors. Well, mate, you'll know Eddie very well, and obviously he's now uh, got that head job. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that, and I'm really pleased that you picked up on it, which was which was Michael Hooper. Do do you think that Eddie, having had coached uh, currently over in England and picking big, big back rowers, that there's still a possibility he will select or look at the likes of a, a Hooper or a McWright or whatever as an open side, or do you think he might gravitate towards three big ball-running Lucy's and, and not have that traditional open side? Um, he could. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of a big fan of the, uh, like, the typical New Zealand uh, number seven who's just all over the ball, wherever the ball is. Yeah. You know, he's got to be the fittest guy on the field. Um, but you notice how in the UK, and you've been there a lot, and how the effect of the, the English back row are in the breakdowns. Mm. You know, even uh, even the 2019 World Cup, uh, New Zealand were, uh, you know, they were challenging the breakdown, and, and and it was pretty even contest. You know, and I think Eddie will try and uh, you know try and bring some of that in. But just uh, quickly, I I thought uh, Dave Rennie was building quite well, and I think he should have. My thought that he should have been given a year to finish his World Cup. You know, he looked like he was building good culture. Uh, one of the letdowns was he's probably used a lot of players uh, during the season for the test matches, which is what I would look at as like he's building depth in his, in his squad. So when you come into the World Cup year, you know, you've got a lot of players to choose from. The only problem is that you don't, you, you might lose some of the closer games, you know. Yeah, but it's a shame. Uh, I thought he was doing quite well, but, you know, Eddie's a, a really good, successful coach, and, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he goes. It will be, mate. It will be. I'm interested to see what his first Wallaby squad looks like. Uh, now, I messaged you uh, last night, Daniel, and I said, the Reds are looking all right, eh? That was at half time. What happened in the second half? Did I put the mocker on them? No, no. I think um, they're, they're a bit more experienced, uh, the Hurricanes. You know, they're, um, they're a little bit slow to start with, but when you lose up forward for 20 minutes, you know, and they use the right tactics. They just, you know, rolling more, scored a try, 
and you know just keep keeping under pressure then then the gap open up in the middle with you know you got one forward short um you know, they were they were competitive but you can tell the experience and you know the quality of the players the of the canes you, you just can't afford to to make one mistake with them we've got super round uh, next week and we've, we've already had a brief t- uh, touch on this particular game but it'd be interesting to get your thoughts uh, the Blues were super impressive demolishing the Highlanders. They've got a great squad. Last year's beaten finalists, and they look like they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder about that, so they're determined this year. But they faced the Brumbies uh, in Melbourne. That's going to be a belter of a game. Do you think the Brumbies, from what you've seen and see their squad, are capable of knocking the Blues over? Um, it's not a home game for either team, is it? Mm. So I think that when you, there's always a, I think there's like five points in the home advantage, you know, and I think uh, Auckland, yeah, they look very angry. And, I'm, you know, I've always followed Auckland because I, I played there a long, long, long time ago. Um, and it's good to see that they've actually, you know, really rebuilt the team, changed the culture, you know. So I think uh, it would be tough. It'll be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great weekend in Melbourne. Are you getting down, Daniel? Oh no, I won't be. Uh, I'm just too busy with family things in Sydney, you know. So actually, uh, I was supposed to go down next weekend, but hopefully, if I get down, I can watch a game. Now we also saw last night over in Perth um, the Force take on the Rebels. This the Rebels led twenty four thirteen at half time. The Force uh, came back and won at thirty four to twenty seven. Uh, probably the biggest surprise was seeing Jeremy Thrush, who retired at the end of last season, come off the bench and score the winning try, mate. I mean, the, the Force have actually recruited pretty re, uh, pretty well this season. Do you think that they can upset the balance over, uh, you know, with particularly, the, the say, the Tars and the Brumbies? I think, you know, probably the Force, if you look at where they've come from, they've had all their good players tripped off them when they were, when they were uh, kicked out of the competition and then to try and rebuild again. And then last year, I was quite impressed because they, they were probably the most improved team out of the Australian team. You know, they started being competitive, and hopefully this year they keep keep building on that. You know, they're, they're probably one of the dark horses in Australia. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, the fact that they managed to get uh, Falau Fainga over there, I think, is is big for them, right? I mean, uh, you know, not only a leader, but uh, a wallaby hooker as well. They just need to get Isaac Rodder fit, because I know he's had a lot of injury problems. But, uh, you know, they're, they're looking pretty solid. And uh, I was quite impressed by uh, Bryce Hegarty. I thought, I thought he looked good. And uh, is it Carter Jordan as well? I think he's probably got maybe the best mullet in Australian rugby, I've got to say, that uh, it was absolutely flying behind him when he made that intercept try early on. <laughs> I think uh, there's a few uh, hairstyles that are sort of making the news more than the, than, than the games, you know. So Jordan Peter, uh, what's his name? Pitaya Jordan, or Jordan Pitaya. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Pitaya. <laughs> you know, I mean, it actually, I actually quite like it, you know. Like, I think it looks pretty cool. You know, being a back, you can get away with a cool haircut. Yeah, exactly. Well, Marshall will tell you all about that, mate. Marshall will tell you all about cool haircuts. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's not only from their own shores as well, but, I mean, you know, they brought those guys over that we talked about. Um, and, of course, you know, they've still got Reese Hodge, who, who kicked that 60-metre penalty last night, but they managed to get Chase Teatia over from the Chiefs uh, and Bay of Plenty as well for this coming season. So there's got to be quite a bit of money kicking around that Western Falls team. Do you think uh, they're, they're going to be the power going forward in Australian rugby? 
Well, I think um, when they got kicked out of the competition, they were the only union that was growing in numbers. So they were actually doing a great job of, of uh, growing their, their juniors, their seniors. You know, and then suddenly they were kicked out. It was probably the wrong team to kick out. But, you know, look how quickly they recovered. So, And there's, there's always a fair bit of money sloshing around there as well. So, you know, yeah. they, they will be... Uh, in the future, they will be. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, we'll keep an eye on them. Thanks very much for your time, Daniel. Yeah. Really appreciate it, mate. Go well and enjoy Melbourne next weekend. I know you'll have your feet up on the couch in Sydney, but enjoy the the action from Melbourne. Thanks, Ricardo. Thanks, uh, Justin. Good to hear from you again. I think the last time I saw Justin was uh, 11 years ago in uh, Bermuda. You were looking yes. a bit worse for wear at the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep, you know me well. Yeah, oh, that would have been the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle, mate. Nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with anything else. Hey, Daniel, go well, brother. All right, take care. Yeah, you too, mate. See you later. It is uh, fourteen away from three, and uh, yeah, I was just I was just looking through that uh, that four squad, and then looking to the coaching staff, and I forgot Mark Ozich is there, of course, former Hawks Bay coach. He is the backs coach under Simon Cron, who's doing pretty good things over at the Force there, Justin. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess we we kind of. When you look at squads and teams uh, and your tenders just sometimes focus on the head coaches uh, and then you are aware that others are around. But, you know, New Zealand coaches are getting themselves out and about and still around the world, aren't they? Because, you know, last night after that Reds game, and I I didn't know this either, Kane Hames popped up on the screen. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he's now an assistant coach at the Reds with Brad Thorne. So, yeah, certainly, uh, I guess, an infiltration by our coaches into giving a bit of our mindset and our coaching uh, into some of those Australian sides and other sides in the world as well. So, yeah, um, you've got to be kind of very wary that uh, changes of performance um, can can be influenced by coaches and it doesn't necessarily have to be the head coach. No, 100%, 100%. It is 13 away from three here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with a few text messages and maybe get a prediction from Justin about next week. Yeah, we're nine away from three o'clock here on SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. So Justin, a, a text through saying uh, that someone's heard bad news. Uh, Ken saying he's heard bad news about Cullen Gray. Sounds like he might be gone for the season. Did you hear anything when you were at the ground? Yes, uh, th- th- they seemed the injury to be quite serious. Um, in fact, I, I believe that there was an ambulance called. Um, so... Uh, really unfortunate for Cullen Grace. Uh, I haven't been uh, told of the extent of the injury, but I had been told that it is bad. Um, whether it's season-ending is up for debate, but uh, it certainly looks serious enough that he's going to be out for quite an extended time. So just so disappointing. You know, he had such a uh, difficult year last year, had worked hard to get himself back onto the onto the field, uh, great off-season, was looking good. And uh, unfortunately, you know, this this is rugby and this is the game, you know. Another one I felt for at the weekend was Anton Leonard-Brown. You know, that guy just can't catch a break, uh, rolling his ankle like he did. Hopefully, it's not too serious. But, yeah, some, some players just seem to get into these little pockets of injury problems and, and can't get themselves out. And Cullen Grace certainly is that. And that would be... Uh, a, a real blow, I think, for the All Blacks as well, because I'm sure he was very much in their thought process uh, for their squad for the Rugby World Cup. 
Now, another message uh, has come through. We talked about Ethan Blackadder earlier. Uh, and this uh, message, uh, no name attached, says, the only way Ethan can make the All Blacks is probably at seven because he hasn't got the size for a six or eight at test level uh, with Dalton and Sam. They won't take three. So uh, does that mean mm-hmm. uh, Ethan's on the outside? I, I just had a look. Um, so he's 1 metre 90 and 111 kegs, according to the official records. Papali is 193 and 113. So not a heap in it, but uh, there is a little. I mean, if I suppose, I mean, what we've seen of him, he's he's, at, he, he's a devastating player. So, I mean, does that mean you you try Dalton at six then because he's got a, slight, a little bit of extra size? No, I don't think so. Um, and uh, never trust Wikipedia, Ricardo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the rugby union's website, apparently. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. No, I, I certainly know that he's carrying a few more kilos than 111. Um, Ethan Blackadder. Uh, he, he's he, he was he's quite easily um, the best of the back rowers when he was fit at the start of last year, and that you know that that had um, Pablo Matera in it. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no doubt that um, yeah, he's got the size. Uh, I don't I don't debate that, and he's got the height as well. So. It's just a matter of whether or not he's got the technical, I guess, um, above two traditional open side flankers to be able to fulfil that role with a big body. Um, that that's probably his main challenge. But I certainly feel that he's he's got the physical. It's just whether or not he can get the smarts around uh, making sure that he also. Uh, is disruptive at breakdown time. Mm. All right. Now, we go to uh, Melbourne next weekend. Uh, everybody's playing there. We've already talked about uh, the the Brumbies taking on the Blues, mate, but uh, your Crusaders, of course, up against the Highlanders, uh, a mm. must-win for both teams. What do you think changes for the Crusaders? Well, the Crusaders, you always expect a response after a poor, poor uh, performance um, or... Uh, getting beaten, which they were well were well beaten uh, in Christchurch on Friday night. So, I expect quite a positive response from them. That they've they'll have some personnel changes, I believe, as well. Um, the Highlanders, you know, by their own non-admission, <laughs> were poor. So, if they can get their head around the fact that they were poor and they were were away off the mark, you would expect some response from them as well. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. All right, Justin, look forward to next week. We'll be back with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Go well, mate. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and uh, don't forget to bottle up some of that IPA for us. I will, mate. Same to you and everyone else.